Welcome in on Wednesday afternoon. Gabe DeArmond here with you. I feel like I live with you guys on YouTube. Um, I think this is the third time in the last 24 hours. Been here talking college football playoffs, rankings, all that. Today we are going to do a Florida preview. Uh, believe it or not, there are actual still football games going on. I have discovered when uh, you cover the a top 10 team, all of a sudden your life gets a little busy. I apologize for the delay getting started, but we are started now. We're going to bring in our guest, Jason Higdon from firstand10florida.com. Gerard Hamilton's going to be along in a minute. Uh, we're going to start with Jason and invite all you guys, comments, questions, whatever you got, put them in the queue. We'll get to them. Like, comment, subscribe, all the things the YouTubers ask you to do. Jason, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking a little bit of football and seeing how the uh, game goes Saturday night. Yeah, appreciate you joining us. Um, look, I, I I have to start here. I didn't know that in Gainesville, Christmas was on November 16th, but I appreciate the festive nature of this show. Yes, we are trying to bring a little uh, Christmas joy to the show. And uh, <laughs> thanks to my lovely wife, that's one of about five trees that are decorated around yeah. the house. So, um, yeah, we are we are ready for Christmas. Fair to say, joy, maybe not the overriding emotion in Gainesville here these last few weeks. It's been it's definitely been tough. You know, I think the interesting thing going back before the season started, Vegas comes out with this, you know, at the time, which seemed like a crazy number of the Florida win total, they set it at five and a half. When this number came out, this was like the hottest topic on the boards, and Florida fans were going crazy, and they just thought this was, you know, astronomically low over-under win total for this team from where, you know, from where they thought they were going to be in Billy's second year. Now here we are, you know, they're five and five on the road at Missouri, a place where they typically don't play well. They haven't played well on the road in the last – really two years minus a win in Columbia against South Carolina. And they were, you know, they were down 10 with five minutes to go and really needed South Carolina to kind of do some things to kind of assist in that come from behind win. So, you know, there's a lot of Florida fans that took that over that are now not feeling so great about a trip to Missouri and Florida state coming to the swamp next week and to close out the regular season. So it's, it's definitely been a, a roller coaster ride, really kind of a, a tale of two halves, if you will, because in the first part of the season, there was some silly mistakes and some, special teams issues and the offense was kind of trying to find their identity and everyone thought the defense was, you know, light years better than what they saw the previous years. And now here we are the second half of the season and the teams put up 35, 40 points the last couple of games, albeit against defenses that aren't some of the, you know, top defenses in the league or in the country, but the offense is kind of finding their way and they're putting up enough points to win. And now the defense has really struggled. So, you know, I don't think anyone expected Florida to to go into Baton Rouge last week and win, but they certainly didn't expect Jaden Daniels to, you know, break records and, and set a record that had never been done in the history of college football, which was north of 350 passing and 200 rushing. So the defense really needs to kind of find their way, find their footing. And, you know, it's going to be about the, the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Florida was able to run for 231 against Missouri last year and get the win. But, you know, we've seen this team this year sometimes – run the ball two times and a half and throw it 40. We've seen him run it 35 times and a half and throw it twice. So it's really kind of hard to know what the game plan will be. But one thing is for certain, whoever controls the line of scrimmage, I think is going to come out with the win. So want to welcome Gerard Hamilton into the show. He's on the bottom of your screen. I'm going to give him, uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask one more and give him a, a second to acclimate himself. Um, 
Look, I could have warned Florida fans that they asked me last week, there is no shame in Daniels running all over the football field. The fact of the matter is Missouri might be uh, in position to make the college football playoff as Jaden Daniels didn't exist. Um, but I, a lot of people around uh, Missouri are interested in Graham Mertz. He's a guy that Missouri recruited pretty heavily out of uh, high school in Kansas, went up to Wisconsin. And frankly, Missouri fans spent about three years going, hmm, maybe dodged a bullet that, that he didn't come here. I, I think Missouri fans still have, and, and I think a lot of fans still have this idea that Graham Mertz is this quarterback who never panned out. I look just looking at numbers and looking from the outside, he doesn't seem to have been the issue at Florida this year. He actually seems to have played pretty well. Is that is that accurate? I think sometimes you have to be careful when you just look at the numbers. Um, I will say that you know, when it was announced that Florida was taking Graham Mertz, I think there was a lot of uneasy Florida fans at the time, just based off kind of what he appeared to be on paper at Wisconsin, but a lot of people thought he was a product of their system, run on first down, run on second down, make a play on third and six, so to speak. So his pass efficiency, uh, Missouri's as well, by the way, I think both of them, both schools are in the top 10 right now in the country in, in, in uh, offensive pass and efficiency. But, uh, you know, uh, the problem I think that most Florida fans have is the lack of vertical shots down the field. Now, since Columbia, we've started to see a rise in, balls 15 25 yards you know down the field actually taking vertical shot but a lot of the completions they have are east and west kind of um you know almost extended handoffs if you will so um while i think he's, he's played great and he actually just broke tim tebow's record for the most pass attempts without an interception i think he's on 225 and counting so he's played really good he struggled at times when the offensive protection breaks down, but again, what quarterback isn't going to struggle with, you know, pressure, especially coming right in their face. So again, it goes back to, you know, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, and not only their ability to catch the ball in the backfield and, and run, but in pass pro, those guys have got to be able to pick up, you know, their, their man, they're assigned to blocker, you know, Graham's, he's kind of been running for his life a little bit. So I think he kind of goes as well as what the offensive line does, just like any other QB. Um, I'm going to ask, is there a position or a phase of the game that Florida feels, you know, confident in where they feel like they're better than Missouri at that position or phase or something they feel like, all right, if we do this well or if these guys come to play, we have a good chance to to make this game close, have a good chance to win the game? I think that, uh, I mean, I can't speak for Florida and, and, you know, how they feel position group by position as far as, you know, how they stack up with Missouri, but uh, they definitely are a power run based offense. So, you know, everything they do is going to feed off their ability to, you know, run number two and run number seven. So, you know, we've seen the emergence each week from Eugene Wilson, who I think will end up being first team freshman All-American. I'm not sure there's a more dynamic offensive player in the freshman class than than Eugene. You know, he's he's a lot of people compare him to Percy, but Percy was more of a straight line kind of one cut and go guy. This guy has more wiggle a la Peter Warwick, if you will. So, you know, I mean, they, they've they first opening drive against Georgia. They go 80 yards, march right down the field and score a touchdown. Wilson touched the ball, I think, four or five times, including the touchdown on that drive. Same thing, opening drive against Tennessee. They march down, they score a touchdown. I think, Eugene, that drive touched the ball six times. So, 
you know, the plan is to get three, two and seven involved in the offense, um, you know, as much as possible. And Ricky Pearsall, who's been fantastic at Florida, you know, I, I wouldn't call him really a, you know, a over the top type receiver, but, you know, not really a possession wide receiver. He can do a lot of things. So those are the four guys that Florida relies on heavily. And, you know, if Missouri, if Missouri can come out and kind of contain those running backs and those two guys at the wide receiver position, then it will be a long night for Florida. But if Florida gets those guys going and they get the run game going, it opens up everything else in the, you know, in the passing offense. So that's what Florida has to do to have a chance to kind of stay in this game. I think the strength of this Missouri team this year is like, I don't know if they're the best in the SEC at anything. Like, I don't know if there's one thing that I say, this Missouri's the best team in the league at this, but I don't really think they have a weakness all, all around. They're, they're solid, right? Like they're, they're a good run defense. They've got good corners. Um, they early in the season, they leaned on the passing game lately. They've leaned on the running game. So I, I, I guess when I look at, at this game, I look at Florida, the concern if I'm Florida is, hey, maybe I can move the ball against them. Like, I don't think Missouri has the best defense in the league. But you mentioned a defense that's given up 39 to South Carolina. They gave up 36 to Arkansas. They gave up 52 to LSU. Missouri is a team that's pretty consistently scored in the 30s. That side of the ball, defensively, you know, do you think like what what's the I take Georgia out of the equation almost because right. Georgia and LSU are a little bit different level. But like, is there a comp? What's the most balanced offense in, that, that Florida's facing? What's given Florida trouble defensively? Wow. Other than like giving up 39 points, like I just mentioned, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's crazy because um, what they seem to be prone having happened to them in games is the big play. Um, mm -hmm. Even going back to the very first play of the season against Utah, when a third string QB was playing that, you know, doesn't really throw the ball. Well, first play of the game, 75 yard touchdown pass. Tennessee did the same thing early. South Carolina hit some big plays. Obviously LSU hit crazy big plays. So, um, you know, it seems like Florida hasn't been hurt as much in the, in the running game minus one game against Kentucky where actually, you know, they gave up 300 yards rushing to one guy, right? So, you know, one game they give up 300 rushing to one guy and then they get hurt in the passing offense. So it, there's really – I can't really focus on what this defense does well. I, I just – you know, sometimes they come out and they, they look like they're playing with passion and, you know, 9, 10, 11 guys flying to the ball. And then, you know, we watched the LSU game and it looked like Daniels was – running by everybody because he was, but some of the Florida guys, you know, maybe look like they were running with pianos on their back, but you know, Daniels has a way of doing that. The guy, you know, he, he did it against Alabama the week before. So I think that the people who were shocked that he did that against Florida, they don't really understand how good Daniels is. And they certainly didn't watch what he did the week before against Alabama and what he's done pretty much all year since he's been at LSU. So, you know, Florida, they, they, their goal is to make Missouri as one-dimensional as possible, whether it's taking away the run or taking away the pass. They have to have the ability to at least try to limit Missouri as far as what they want to do on offense. So if they're able to control the line of scrimmage, either team, it's going to be a long night. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Again, Florida hasn't played typically well on the road in, in two years. So um, I know Florida fans – 
they're not excited about a night game and going to Missouri at 7:30 at night, but I think the low is 45. So I'm, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be that big of a deal. Like people were concerned about, and it's certainly better for the team that they're not playing at noon. So, you know, the early noon game on the road has been almost disastrous for those guys. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. All right. Um, one of my three things that I'm going to have three things that may determine the game that I'm going to have coming out tomorrow. Uh, I've said red zone. Um, Missouri, Jagabe, Missouri's actually first in the nation in red zone offense. So that's the that's the one thing they're, you know, far and above everybody else in. Uh, Florida is 86th in red zone defense, but they're also 16th in offense themselves when it comes to red zone offense. And I kind of said not that it would necessarily. I don't know if that alone can make or break because Missouri has shown it can score outside of the red zone. But how much of the it can't be a trading field goals for touchdowns type of thing? Because I think if Missouri does well offensively, you know, in the red zone, it, can, it may be a blowout. But if Florida does really well in, in the red zone, they can keep this game close. So how much of red zone play offensively and defensively do you think is going to factor into this game? Well, you know defensively Florida has been all over the map like you said especially in the red zone their offense actually has done really good when they get in the red zone but I, I think you know they can't trade field goals for touchdowns with Missouri and while you know I feel like when I look at Missouri I feel like Missouri is no offense to anybody there I don't want to say like they have this great amazing superstar but they have an extremely awesome coached well-balanced tough blue-collar team that's, you know, bringing their lunch pail to work mentality and they're going to knock you in the face every chance they get. And if Florida doesn't match the physicality that they're going to face against Missouri, they're going to be in trouble. So in Florida, they do good in the red zone. They they seem to get in the red zone a lot, but they've settled for a lot of field goals. I mean, you know, they played Charlotte at home. They scored one touchdown. They won the game 22 to seven because they got into the red zone and they stalled out and they kicked a lot of field goals. So I think that when the field compresses and becomes much smaller in the red zone, sometimes it becomes a little more difficult for Florida to score touchdowns, especially against really good sound defensive teams. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, if they can't run the ball, it's going to be a long night. All right, Jason, I want to finish you up with a question from one of our loyal viewers. I'm going to ask it in a more um, civil way, maybe than he asked it, but, uh, it, look, there's there's a feeling among teams who have been in the SEC a lot longer than Missouri has that, like, Missouri's a game you can't, like, we shouldn't lose to Missouri is a common theme, right, in, uh, among some of the uh, the old SEC circles. A Kind of a two-part thing here. Is that, you know, any different considering that Missouri's having the year it's having and just give us an idea for the temperature on Billy Napier down there. You know, I mean, it's year two. I don't think it's fair to judge anybody in year two. I also understand what college football, particularly in the SEC, is. And sometimes you get judged in year two. So so what's kind of the feeling there? That's interesting. Um, and I feel like this guy might be a member on my board, but we don't let him use that term. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's interesting because like I said, you know, Vegas set this win total at, at five and a half before the season. And, you know, prior to the LSU game sitting with five wins, but looking road trips to LSU, Missouri and Florida state at home, we, we kind of took a poll of, you know, who Florida fans thought they would have the best chance of beating to get that sixth win and, 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 you know, bus Vegas is over. And 
a lot of people say Florida State was number one, Missouri two with LSU number three. Um, I, I think that, you know, Florida fans feel like while Missouri has – I mean, they have a really good offense. They get in the red zone and they just score the number one in the country that they feel like their offense might not be as quick strike or as explosive as what LSU and FSU's capabilities are. So, like, you know, because of that, they kind of felt like maybe that gives Florida a better chance to maybe get a win on the road against Missouri than some of these other two teams. Um, look, when you lose football games, I don't know if you can really point to, like, one particular win that says – or loss, excuse me, that says, man, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. But if you have enough, enough of those straws consistently that you keep piling on, eventually – I mean, what happens? You know, the, the camel's back breaks. So um, I don't think that um, the, the seat is hot in Gainesville right now. And I don't think that Florida fans are going to be upset if they come out of Missouri with a loss. They seem to have all their attention and focus on on FSU right now, the in-state, the big rival. And, you know, Missouri's a great football team there. I think Missouri, the all-time series now, six and six. You know, they've each won six games. So this is kind of the tiebreaker right now. So, um it, it, it definitely wouldn't be good to, you know, stack another loss, especially a road loss. And it's an SEC opponent. And, you know, those are never good. But I think right now the focus is trying to circle the wagons, you know, maybe have a chance in the fourth quarter. They were down three against LSU, 38, 35. And then, you know, a couple things happened. The wheels fell off, end up losing 52 to 35. But they want to be in the game in the second half, certainly in the fourth quarter, you know, give themselves a chance to win. And, you know, Billy has a plan in place. And it's a long-term plan in place. And, you know, he talked about this at length when he was hired. And I think everybody just kind of went, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, this is year two. We should be winning more football games. But the way he's building everything and the way, you know, he's approached high school recruiting and portal recruiting and things like that, it's a slow burn. So, you know, obviously a win or two somewhere along the way to close out the season would go a long way. And, you know, making people see some of the light at the end of the tunnel. But, um, it's definitely not good to keep stacking, losing seasons, you know, year after year. Well, I'll say this, speaking for Missouri fans, I think they would be very happy if Florida is more focused on Florida State and came here and lost and then went and beat Florida State and knocked them out of the playoff. And right. I, I think Missouri fans would be happy with all of those things. So I'm just speaking for our subscribers. They're on board with this plan. Right. I, <laughs> now I'm, not, I'm not saying the team is not focused. No, on I got you. Yeah, okay. the fan base definitely is is focused on Florida State. I yeah, think. yeah. Well, Jason, appreciate it, man. And uh, if we can do anything to help you out on Saturday, let us know. Uh, but but thanks for your time. But thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. All Thank right, you. have a you good too. one. That's Jason Higdon from First and Ten Florida dot com. Uh, they cover the Gators for the Rivals Network. So if you want to know kind of what's going on on the other side of things, go down there. Check that out. Um, Gerard, it's it's weird a little bit to come into a Florida Missouri game and have Missouri be the fan base that almost seems to be looking past this one. And, and like, look, I don't blame anybody. Right. But like after, after you get through, Hey, you held your own against Georgia. You, you just whoop Tennessee. And I think, and I include myself in this, we're all going, Oh, they're number nine in the country. Oh, they're ten and two. Which 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 New Year's Six game are we going to? Um, any danger here? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Um, 
yeah, I saying it, I say it every time Florida come up. I there's nothing, and I tried. I tried to look at some things, the red zone thing. When you guys see the when I was writing my three things that may determine the game, I was looking hard. Just because when you look at it, when they give us, I don't have the Florida one right in front of me, but when we go to media day and they give us these packets, I remember yesterday before drink came up, they'll show us stats, like the main stats. And I counted and there's probably like 15 main stats on here. Missouri was probably better than Florida and like 12 of them. And the ones that they weren't, it works. It was close. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't find anything where I'm just like, can Florida control this? The only thing that I feel Florida really can do uh, is like Jason said, run the ball, control time of possession, um, do well in the red zone. They're going to have to get a takeaway or something like that to kind of to muddy things. But I, you can't be losing to Arkansas and South Carolina and giving up all these points and, you know, the kind of the loss last week. It's just – it's going downhill for them. So I, I would say to – look, I, I'm i going to pick Missouri in this game, and I'm probably going to pick Missouri to cover and fairly comfortable. So I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen, but here's, here's kind of the points of concern. This team did whip Tennessee itself earlier this year. So there is something there. Now, it's been a while since we've seen it. They're, they recruit well. They do have some guys. Um. I think this is kind of the flip of what I said about Missouri going to Georgia. I said that game was about Georgia. If Georgia played an A game, Missouri couldn't win. And I, I think in the end, that kind of turned out to, to be pretty close to true. I mean, I don't think Missouri fans are going to argue they're a better team than Georgia. If Missouri comes in and plays well in these last two weeks, they're going to be 10-2. Um I don't want to say this concerns me. This is actually what impresses me about this Missouri team. There has not been a week when they haven't shown up. I mean, they've either won or they've lost with a pretty solid effort. Like there hasn't been a week. There was a quarter. There was a quarter in Lexington, Kentucky, but they figured it out. There hasn't been a game where we've just gone, who the hell is that team? You know, and so like the negative people will look and say, Oh God, when's it showing up? And the positive people will say, "Well, hadn't happened for ten weeks. I don't know why it would happen now." Yeah, I, I mean, by the I, way, well, kudos to you for bringing visual aids to the show with the game notes. I'm impressed by that. Uh, my game notes are there's literally a pile from pretty much every game right next to yeah. this laptop. I just cannot find my Florida one, ironically. But um, yeah, I let me take back just this not take back, but to retract a little bit. I'm not saying it's impossible for Missouri to lose this game, though. That's not we know stuff can happen, all that stuff. Um, even though it's been a good season for Missouri, sometimes a weird thing or two can happen. Uh, that you just like where that come from. Now, mm-hmm. season's been so it's been going well. Um, so we haven't really seen nothing maybe since the NTSU game where we're like Here's all that weird stuff that's going on, but it can still happen. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, it's every time we, we, and I say this all the time. Every time we talk to, you know, the coaches and, and the players on media day, you can tell. Like a lot of coaches be like, "Oh, we got to move on to the next opponent." Stuff. I think Missouri's really good, win or lose, being like, "Well, yeah, we had a great night, or we sucked. Well, not sucked, but you know, we lost." Right. And they're they're on to the very next game, and you can you can see it. There, it's gone. So I don't have 
to me, I don't think it's going to be an issue of they're not paying attention. I, in fact, think this is like you, you've been saying this for a couple of weeks. Every with every win, the next game is the biggest game of the season. So I don't think they're going to treat it as anything less to me. Yeah. So I want to hit hit a couple of these comments and questions and, and we'll wrap this up in, in not too long. Uh, Charles says, I think I'm sure Cody is going to have something to prove versus Florida. So I know we've talked about this at various times this year, but I just feel like after what Cody Schrader did last week, like it deserves a couple minutes. Um, I mean, I tweeted earlier today, if you wrote this as a movie, somebody would say this, like, I don't believe this, man. This is too cheesy. Don't do this. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I've kind of run out of ways to talk about this season this kid has put together. It, no, it's, it's been crazy. And after I seen that clip earlier of Drink, of they've given us the audio of, you know, uh, someone telling Drink, you know, there's 20 minutes. I mean, there's he needs 20 yards. He asked Kirby and all that stuff. You're just like, wow, how could you hate this person? Like, if anybody, right. if anybody <laughs> ever had beef with Cody, even if it was true, I'd, I'd be like, I'm on Cody's side. <laughs> Yeah, you well, and, and I want to point out too about that video, and somebody kind of brought it up on our board. The part that struck me, like it surprises me zero that Cody Schrader said, No, nah, I'm good. I don't need to go break a record. Like that's not at all a surprise. The part of that video that kind of stuck out to me was Eli getting choked up in the locker room when he's trying to. And look, man, I'm not coaches lie and they're fake and like I have less belief in college football coaches than almost anybody in America. I, I don't think you can fake that emotion. Like I, I think there's something about this team and I, I think they brought something out in their coach that like, that was real. I, I'm not cynical enough to believe that wasn't real. No, nah, that's what I was thinking too. Like when I seen it, I thought, yeah, I thought it was like, all right, he's he feels that way for real. Now, since he wanted to be all serious, I'll lighten it up. When he said standing on business, I was like, ah, oh, there we go. That's what surprised me. I was just like, enough of the standing on business terms. But no, um, now this team looks special. And I want to ask you, um, comparing it to 2013 and 14, I know a few weeks ago, he was just like, mm, not quite there. Where do you feel as far as this team and how it compares just, just to 2013 and the 2014 teams? I think it's better than 2014 because I that team was a half team that that managed to get through the season. They they had some struggles. I'm not ready to say it's better than 2013, and and it's hard for it to be better than 2013 because 2013 won the division and played in Atlanta, and this team can't oh, true, do that. I know that's beyond their control. So even if it's a better team, it hasn't had a better season. But I mean. Look, what they're playing for the next two weeks is a top five season in school history. If you want to say that second or fourth or fifth, I, I, wherever you want to say, it's a top five season in 135 years of, of Missouri football. So, you know, I would uh, would would certainly be good with, with that if that's where it ends up. Um, all right, so this is – we talked about this a little bit at Media Day. I know you wrote about it. Dave Asby brings up the three-man front. Is this something that, that can be a consistent thing Missouri uses, or is this something they sprung on Tennessee to catch Tennessee off guard? Both. Yeah, yeah it's it's both. Um, and I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Chuck Hicks we talked to. It was just like 
kind of caught them off guard. They weren't prepared for it because it's not something they typically run all, like for a strong duration of time or a long duration of time. Uh, Drink mentioned something like it kind of not only does it help the run game and helps them, you know, plug their holes and stuff, it leaves the alleviates some pressure on their cornerbacks and it helps brings the safety down, get them in the in the run fits. They have safeties who when they're locked in, because this whole team, when it comes to missed tackling, a little shaky. But when they're locked in, like they were uh, versus Tennessee, they can stop the run and they can tackle. Seeing Joseph Charleston make some hits. So, yeah, that's something Drink said will be, you know, key going forward. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to be something where they stop doing four-man fronts. Like, they're, I don't think they're doing a complete change. But as far as the usage, you know, maybe 30 40% of the time, you know, they're in the three-man front. And also talking to D-Rob again, talking about how he likes being back inside, his uh, position flexibility. He's probably the only si- only guy you feel comfortable being able to do both at a moment's notice. That is also key. So, um, yeah, that's going to be something they use, and it worked well for them. Yeah. All right. So uh, w- one last comment here, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Tim Gray says it's senior night. The boys will show up. So, look, I – I've said on a couple of different places this this week, I'm a sucker for senior night, man. It kind of gets me every year. Like, it's just, there's something about the last one, right? And this one's a little different because D-Rob's playing his last game for like the fourth year in a row or whatever. <laughs> like, so, like, these these guys get to do it multiple times. But uh, it, but I, I, I put something up earlier this week uh, about this senior class and like – this senior class is weird because it's not like they all came in together, right? There's some transfers. There's some, but the guys who have been here for five years, Javon Foster, Darius Robinson, um, Chad Bailey, even though he's not going to play, Chris Abrams drain. These guys who have been here for four or five, six years. Like, I know this is like this isn't how sports works, but it feels to me like those guys can't lose the last game of their career at home not after this season i mean they this season has been like this is what missouri fans have waited on so long and these guys like man they they deserve to go out with a win that that's all i'm trying to say yeah and i think they they will comfortably uh the only thing i can think of though is when drink said you know for it was like players like kad whose first year was in covid and stuff like that and there's you know limited capacity crowds and stuff like that. Also the team not being as great, not really having that home field advantage that a lot of other teams get. Mm-hmm. I think that will play into it for the most part and get them to play well. I do think it's a possibility, whether it's offense or defense, there may be a little lull period that they have sometimes just because there's emotions. You maybe think about your family in a crowd, stuff like that. But I don't think it'll supersede everything and it play throughout the game. It just may be a point maybe early on or something like that. But yeah, I think they're, I think they're going to roll, to be honest. Yeah. So, so let's wrap it up with this. Uh, when you're watching the college football playoff show last night, like I'm watching, I'm going, okay, 13 Ole Miss. This is a good sign for Missouri. Eh, 12 Penn State. That's pretty interesting. 11 Oregon. Like when Missouri going to show up here? Oh, 10 Louisville. Oh, oh nice. this yeah. is, what? Uh, yeah. Just give me your reaction. Um. My reaction, yeah, about to around the same place. I was ten wasn't that shocking to me. Uh, right, I could have bought ten. Yeah, I bought ten. 
Sim. Nossa. Oh! I said, all right, all right. I was thinking, that matters. Even, even my girlfriend, she hit me up. She's yes. like, why? She, she doesn't watch football like that. But she's like, why are they ahead of Louisville? I was just like, because probably kill Louisville. Uh, and because, they, because they, Louisville lost to Pittsburgh. Exactly. Um, they they probably run run through them, and both of Missouri's losses are. It helps that Georgia is number one, makes it, it looks mm-hmm. better. Um, I know you've talked about like Ole Miss losing to Ole, like Ole Miss losing to Georgia. How they lost definitely helps them, and then obviously all the teams around them who've been losing. Um, yes, yeah, so nine. I wasn't thinking up to nine. Like ten was kind of like all right. That's where I where I was at, but I think nine makes more sense to me. Yeah. So I want to wrap this up uh, real uh, real easy. So I, you referenced the uh, Drinkwitz telling Hypel they stand on business. I want to say I just got my second text of the day that said, "What does we stand on business, Josh?" mean from Drink. Um, I, I had a text exchange with with someone earlier today. He said, I'm not going to lie. I had to look up We Stand on Business on Urban Dictionary. And my response was, me too. And when I say Urban Dictionary, I mean Gerard told me what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standing on business. The only I just told you, though, the only thing I, I, I don't love is when he goes up to Hypo and he says most of it before it seems like Hypo can hear him and then he leaves quick. You got to at least wait till you get a little closer so he can, like, you know, just to glow a little bit. But yeah, they were standing on business, which means they handled it. They said they were going to come out and do such and such, and they were taking this game serious. It's one of those revenge games that they lost last year, and this week's another one. So uh, they're probably going to do it again. But I'm glad I'm glad he said it in that video, stand on business, because when I seen the little quote that SEC Network put, I was just like, he's got to stop. <laughs> he's got to stop this. So uh, first of all, do you think Drink had to look up stand up business on e- Urban Dictionary, or do you no, think he's no, around no. enough young men that he knows what it means? Oh yeah, for I mean, why do you think people for like Pete Carroll and stuff in the game? You'll never, you'll never really lose your youth with, with college football. So I'm sure he heard enough of them playing their music, or, or going around saying that. And he probably, I don't know, maybe walked past in his race straw and said, "What's this stand on business? Stand on business." <laughs> <laughs> and they explained it to him, you know, with the right vernacular, <laughs> what it what it what it is and what it means. I got you. So uh look, I'm I'm here for all the petty, man. Like I had no problem with Josh Heupel scoring 66 on Missouri last year. I'm good it with it. it I had no problem with drink ice in the kicker and talking shit to Heupel in the post-game handshake. I'm good with all of it. This is supposed to be fun. Let's not encourage these dudes to be robots. Yes, I would like uh, in all sports for coaches to have personalities and uh, not be robots, as, as you said. That's like sports are fun when it's when it's that way. Yeah. Did you did you see, by the way, did I send you uh, or did you see Ennis Rakestraw's retweet of uh, drinks bonus last wow. night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that's why practice uh, costs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why yeah. practice is, is going so hard because yeah. what, what he gets 150? an extra 150 grand if they make a New Year's six ball. Yeah, and, and it's one and it's one fifty. So it's one fifty if they make the citrus, citrus or like the Music City. All those it's three hundred if they make the New Year's Six. Correct. Yeah, I I hear it though. I hear it though. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, guys. Like I said, I feel like I've kind of lived here with you guys on YouTube the last twenty four hours. Um, 
We will have uh, Drew King is, is going to Minneapolis in the morning. He's covering the basketball team in Minnesota tomorrow night. He's going to check in with us at the arena. So we'll have a live show to preview that game before Mizzou and, and uh, Minnesota tip off. Plan on going live about 630. Um, we'll take Friday off at least of, of the, the shows, but have plenty of stuff on the site. Uh, preview Saturday morning, game time 630 on Saturday night. So appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. Like, comment, subscribe, share it. Tell all your friends that uh, we've written like, we published like 9,712 stories this week. So honestly, yeah. So, uh, Hey, when you, when you cover a team that everybody cares about, it gets a little busier, but, but we appreciate that. It's a lot more fun this way. Appreciate all you guys being here with us. So, uh, yeah, just share what we're doing. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be back next time.